You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1077 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday, and I am joined, as I often have been in recent days, by Zach Hood of Peachtree Hoops. Hello, sir. How are you doing? I appreciate you having me on another time. Uh, we're rolling along. As people probably saw when I clicked on this podcast, this is another player capsule episode. We're going to be talking about Jalen Johnson and Danilo Gallinari on this podcast. We have already have uh, several of these banked with about half of the roster covered so far between myself and Zach in the uh, last couple of weeks, plus some reactions to Capella extensions and uh, signing Luau Cabarro and other kinds of stuff. Some Falcons talk last week with Aaron Freeman. So plenty of content on the podcast, but we're rolling along midweek here, um, less than two weeks away from training camp and media day arriving. And I want to keep it going here. So we'll start with Jalen Johnson, who I know you wrote about a lot during summer league. I know I talked about him a lot during summer league. So it feels like I've talked about him a lot um, between the draft and, you know, being on site in Vegas and all that stuff. But uh, with a couple of weeks now of time to breathe, and also I feel like people are ramping up anecdotally. Hawks fans are getting back into it in advance of training camp. It's a good time to talk about Jalen Johnson again. And I'll just say this, like he he was basically as good as they possibly could have asked for in Las Vegas after, after not playing basketball for a long time to be, you know, this doesn't really matter, but to be first team all summer league as a rookie who hasn't played in, you know, months and months and months and putting up a, a bunch of great numbers was intriguing and it was you know going beyond the numbers he looked he looked awesome so as uh i know i love the draft pick but i guess we'll go back even that far uh what, what did you make of the draft pick of Jalen johnson and also um are you as excited as everybody else seems to be about him um well, yeah I'm, I'm excited about him and as far as the pick i think I will not push back on any of the A plus grades that the Hawks got for picking him at, at picking Jalen Johnson at 20. I don't know. Maybe there's someone that was picked below 20 that ends up better than him, but I mean, I would say the odds are not high that that, that happens. I mean, barring someone just being like an all star, which you know could happen, but typically you don't see that every draft. So. Yeah, I, th- I feel like there's always a – if you gave me the – it's actually an interesting question. If you gave me the field versus Jalen Johnson, um, the field below 20, I think you probably almost have to take the field. But uh, I but, still think – I know, but I, still, I think there's not, like, one player you could just yeah. say, like – agreed. I mean, obviously, if you take everybody, you know, you got a good chance of something happening. But as far as just individual high ceilings well other, other than rokas who's like who's your favorite player on the draft i know that um jacobitis but other than him you mean so yeah <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how he gets past number one overall it's so. it's absolutely true um but yeah i mean obviously i was high on i know you were too when that happened and like i just alluded to you know all we have professionally on film for joe johnson is him averaging 19 and 10 basically at summer league in four games limited time shooting efficiently flashing stuff on offense, flashing stuff on defense. Um, we'll close the conversation with his sort of role stuff for this year because it's going to be very interesting because he's a, a late-round rookie. Um, even if he's a lottery talent, he was still drafted at 20 on a team that is loaded, so we'll get into that in a second. But I want to talk about a player at first here. You know, I think he's a pretty uh, interesting 
overall talent. Uh, obviously, the, the pieces are intriguing, um, especially like in transition and stuff. But offensively, what do you make of him like for right now? I think that also is it's kind of tricky to talk about rookies, particularly on this team when you're trying to win right away. But what can he do offensively right now today that could help the Hawks? I mean, he could definitely rebound just as physical and as athletic as he is. Um, he can pass. I don't know. I think scoring could be a little bit of, I know he scored in Vegas, but it could be a little bit um, just tough for him just because I don't know how many plays are going to be designed for Jalen Johnson on this team. Kind of like you were saying, but he can obviously set a screen for Trey roll to the rim. I mean, he could probably pass out of the short roll. I mean, I don't know if the Hawks want to trust him with that, you know, in game one, but I think there's a lot of stuff they could be trying to do with him as far as just like what his work is in practice. And I think whenever he's ready, I think, I mean, I don't, I feel like he's going to be, it, it may, might, may not be this season, but there's going to be some point where like, you're just going to have to find some minutes for him. Cause I think he's, he's definitely going to be a rotation player. Yeah. It's honestly, it's fascinating. I guess we'll just, Let's just talk about this in as frank terms as possible. My my general line with Johnson has been, you know, I, I thought that he fell way too far. I think he's a lottery talent. I think that um, on most teams in the league, he would play minutes as a rookie, even if he's, you know, my general stance is that rookies are pretty bad. Um, not always, but most rookies, even the guys who end up being good are not good as rookies. Um, with that said, you know, it's a team that's so deep and so intriguing in terms of like guys who were, you know, I think, clearly in front of him for playing time. One of them being Gallinari, who we'll get into later on, that I'm just not sure what it looks like. And I know I was excited. I think everybody's excited about Vegas. And there was a lot of talk about like what his role is going to be. And he'll be in the rotation for sure and all this stuff. And I just don't know if that's going to happen. And I do think that along, along the way, someone's going to get hurt for two weeks somebody's going to be out for a month or he'll just play so well that he'll force himself on the floor and he'll play I just don't know what it looks like out of the gate because for me they clearly have four guys on the wing that are ahead of him in the pecking order probably um and he's not exactly just a pure wing anyway he's more of a combo forward at least for me even played some center in Vegas and then you have two power forwards who are clearly ahead of him with Collins and Gallinari at this moment so it's like he has to play and you want to see him but how do you navigate that and also Nate McMillan is not totally against playing rookies you know he played at Kongu last year but that was a case where there was nobody else for him to play in that role like they kind of built their roster to have a Kongu be the backup center last year this year's team did not build the roster with Jalen Johnson being in rotation in mind um so I say all that like what do you think is going to happen here I mean we're all guessing on some level but how quickly can he actually carve out a role for the season? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, that's hard. I don't know. I feel like the beginning of the season, I want to say he might play every game, but I mean, it's definitely not guaranteed, obviously. I don't know. I think it, it'll just depend on if guys are playing every night or not. Cause I mean, I think you, you could count on the Hawks. Trey's going to play every game herders. I mean, I'm just saying like in general, if, if ever, if they're healthy, like, yeah, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Collins, uh, Bogey, I think will play every game. But I think like Reddish, Hunter, Capella, 
Jing, Gallo all get like rest games, at least within the first 15, 20 games of the season. I don't think they're just going to play Hunter the first 30 games of the season coming off a knee surgery. Yeah, I mean, we, we don't know that, but that's a reasonable, I think a reasonable, especially because his timetable is basically like, we think he'll be ready for the season, but that's not like full go. So it's kind of, you know, I'm with you. I feel like there are spots for him. And the, thing, the good thing about Johnson is that he can play multiple positions and kind of play multiple roles. So if one guy misses time or if one guy has the night off, even if it's a shooting guard, if it's Bogdanovich or Herter, you could still, if you wanted to, shoehorn Johnson into the rotation that night because you could just let everybody down. Or if it's, you know, if it's Collins, if it's Gallinari in particular, that's a pretty natural one. Um, and that's part of the appeal of Johnson. I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to play center this year. Uh, I know he played center, center in summer league, and I asked about that a lot. It was more roster-wise, I think, um, in Vegas. But even if, you don't early on, if you don't have Jang for a night, maybe you have Collins be your backup center, and then you have some minutes for, for Johnson. So... Uh, my it's kind of it's kind of funny. My question is always all right. Opening night if everybody is healthy, and those are two questions. You know, Kong we won't play. We know we already know that, but I'm assuming Jeng's in that role. If everybody else is healthy on opening night under the bright lights, does he play? And I, I don't know the answer to that. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. I mean. Obviously, it depends how the game goes. If they're either up or down by twenty, I mean, I mean, if it's close, like assume yeah. like a regular rotation. Because the thing is, if you if you just do the math, like I'm not, not going to count guys now, but I will tell you this: like Nate's not going to play twelve guys. Like I don't think he's going to do that regularly. Maybe, maybe he will, uh, but if you start counting guys, like one one or two, maybe even three players that are usually rotation caliber players aren't going to be able to play every night, and that's that that's with a Kongwu out right now because that you know you plug Jang in there but between Delon Wright and Lou Williams and Jalen Johnson uh it's not like clear it's I'm not and that's not a talent thing with Jalen Johnson it's just that this team is built to win and it's if not the deepest team in the league one of the deepest teams in the league and it's a it's not a, it's a good thing for the Hawks you can bring them along slowly um you could potentially send him to the G League, I'm not, not for a lot of time, but I think it would not surprise me if he played in the G League this year. You know, Travis Schlenk kind of openly talked um, during Summer League, not before, like also before, but even during Summer League, he got the interview to the AJC and the Athletic and said, you know, he almost expects him to be in the G League at some point, and I kind of do too, just, just to give him, like, go play 38 minutes. Because regardless, I don't see Jalen Johnson, barring multiple injuries, playing 30 minutes on a regular basis. <laughs> so like if you want to, if you want to just have him like be in a bigger role and get get some run, just sending him to college park for the for just just for the day is like a very nice option to have too. Yeah, I think if you made me just say yes or no, will he play opening night? I would just say yes. I don't really know why, but well, I just feel like yeah. Nate for some point in the game, even if it's 45 seconds like at the end of the second quarter, like he can play defense and stuff and he's big and he's really athletic. I could just see there being like some little portion of the game where, and like he's a first round pick. If, if he's looking good in camp and stuff, you'll be kind of like not pressured to play him, but you'll, you know what I mean? Like it'll just be kind of like, oh, Jalen. Yeah. So it's, it's fascinating. I feel, I've, <laughs> I feel like I would say yes. But if it's like a neck and neck, like really just a crazy tight game, I mean, it could obviously not happen. But I, I just feel like at some point, during the course of a 48-minute game, you could look over and be like, oh, you know, we could use Jalen right here. 
for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> Nate is, as you well know, and I think listeners probably do at this at this point after you know a few months of Nate McMillan, he's not going to tell anybody anything preseason. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll ask. Uh, I'll ask. You'll ask. Chris will ask. Sarah will ask. Kevin will ask. Uh, what the plan is? Uh, we probably won't get a great answer on that. But I do think there is an element. You kind of reference it there that they could just design some moments for him to play early in the year almost just for development and now this year's team is far different than it has been for a lot of these players it's sort of a theme that i've been repeating the last few months but you know when trey came in and when herder came in and collins and reddish and hunter they were just given minutes um and you know that was where the team was last year uh a Kongwu, it was just more of a role thing of course he got banged up too but they dropped him number six overall and they didn't gift him minutes, but they also, you know, they also didn't sign over him a backup center. So he was just the backup center last year. Uh, this time around, they just, if everybody's healthy, and that's a huge if, they just have a lot of bodies. And depth is huge. Last year we said the same thing, that they have a lot of depth, and they had so many injuries that it was really kind of tested. So um, I'll be fascinated by it, but I, I'm just intrigued by Jalen Johnson. I think that defensively he has great tools as well. We talked about his offense a little bit, but defensively I'm a little worried about most rookies defensively just because – um, he had some like mental lapses and stuff in summer league, but he's obviously a really good athlete. He's got great size, um, and I think he'll be fine. Particularly if he's playing in a low usage role, you would think that guys trying to earn more playing time be more dialed in, and um, I think he'll be fine. I don't, I don't think he's going to be good as a rookie. You know, I, I made a comment on Twitter today as we transition to Gallinari in a second um, that I thought Gallinari was like you know very clearly a better player like right now today. If you made me choose who to play in a basketball game in the NBA. I think it's Gallo by a lot. And people, so I, well, I, should, I should say people, one person was like outraged by the comment. And I was like, well, it's not a shot at Jalen Johnson. He's a, he's a 19 year old rookie. And Gallinari is like a top hundred player in the league. It's not like, it's not like a me crapping on Jalen Johnson. It's just to say that there is a gap and most rookies, not all, most rookies are not very good. And that's just the reality. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, obviously like, I mean, Gall- Gallo's only like what, 33, right? He's not like super old. Yeah, I mean he's I mean, he's, he's, been he's certainly up there. He's up there, right. and we'll get we're definitely going to talk about him. But it's just like not even Gallo. Like uh, that was the name that I threw out there. But pick another one. Like you know, even if it's okay. Honestly, <laughs> uh, we did the Cam Reddish podcast already. The intriguing one is potentially Cam Reddish because of all of the guys in the Hawks rotation projected, Cam is the one who's proven the least. If we're being honest, like. Cam, we all, we both like Cam and talked about him in a very very positive way on on a couple of podcasts ago with Lou Williams and all that stuff. But um, if we're being real, Cam is the one that is the least proven of everyone in the rotation. So if you want to pick somebody that Jalen could be quote unquote better than as a rookie, it might be Cam. I don't think it's going to happen. But if you pick one guy, it other than like maybe backup point guard uh, or Gorgie Jang if he counts right now, but that that's maybe the one. I think Gallinari is pretty clearly better than Cam at this moment. So. What are you gonna do? I mean, are we counting like Solomon Hill? I'm I'm not for this purposes. I know we played right. a lot last year. I mean, I'm very pro solo, and we'll get into him at some point on this podcast too. He's that break glass case of emergency player. Like it's kind of funny. Last year was the same way, and then he just ended up playing so much because they had so many injuries. But if you look back at the roster, he was non guaranteed last season. Like he was not supposed to be a part of the rotation opening night last year, and he ended up just ended up playing a ton because they had to play somebody, but. Uh, I'm not counting solo for now, or TLC for that matter. Yeah, no, I mean, it'll be interesting, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think as far as expectations for 
Johnson like for the season, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I feel like double digit minutes per game end of the day because there's going to be some games where he he gets you know a little bit more. So. Oh yeah. I, I want to say you know probably not 15, but maybe somewhere a little bit under that. Yeah, if if I had to guess, I think there will there will be nights when he when he doesn't play, and that that could be wrong. Um, I'm open to saying that I could be wrong about this. I would guess it's more of a situation where he might play 50, 60 games, but when he plays, it's real minutes, not tons of minutes, but like you know that 10, yeah, 12 like minutes he's game. Like a, he's a backup four or five. Yeah, yeah, he's you know he's a, he's a backup three four most nights. Um, I think if everybody's healthy, like for it, I, I would actually guess. And this is a guess. Early pre-training camp. I don't want to be uh, too outlandish. I would say if everyone is healthy opening night, that he, I would say he doesn't play. Now I could be wrong about that, um, but that's my guess. I could be very wrong again. But um, yeah, I think that's just a, a more of a typical rookie deployment on a good team, which is like not rotation every night, but also plays decent amount of minutes whenever like anybody's out. And we'll get into Gallo in a second. I promise. But Gallo's not going to play 82 games. Like, no, not a chance. And then you throw in guys like, you know, even Capella might miss some time. You slide Collins to the five a little bit more. They have some guys who have some injuries. You know, Hunter and Reddish both have injury stuff from last year. Um, there will there'll be there'll be minutes at some point along the way. I'm pretty confident about that. Yeah, that's what I was saying. You know, there's going to be back-to-backs. There's going to be 82 games, like you said. So, I mean. Full season, everybody. 82 games. I, he's going to play and you're going to get to see, you know, the one thing I, I kind of like, and maybe they'll stick to it. Maybe they won't. Um, maybe he'll really will be like a three slash four, but I, I kind of think like the whole, the best part about having someone like Jalen Johnson is finding out if he can, if you can get away with him at center. Like he, I don't know. It's just interesting to me. Like if he's at center, you could put such a like athletic team on the court and like all five players, handle the ball like yeah the only reason why i don't think that's super likely is because they already have collins to do that same kind of thing with and he's just a lot better at it you know what i mean like if you're gonna play a small ball center why wouldn't you just play collins at center um but other than that i i tend to agree i mean i am more intrigued by johnson at the five than the three i could be an outlier on that and i i kind of want to hear what nate has to say and he hasn't really talked about johnson publicly because he's not a part of the draft process like the you know all that stuff but I am closer to a five than a three for Jalen for the most part. But um, that is to kind of what you're saying. That is part of his real appeal is that he can play potentially three spots. And that is. Right. Uh, yeah, I didn't necessarily mean for the Hawks. I mean, obviously, we know that they're pretty. I mean, they got one of the best front courts in the league. And they're also trying to win. That's, I mean, we, yeah. we'll probably say it a lot, but like they're trying to win every night this year. The Hawks are going to try to be the one seed in the East. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but they're going to go out. Nate McMillan is not fooling around. They're going to go out and try to win every night. It's not, No longer are they like punting games. They're going to be trying to win every night. Yeah. And I, I just meant like, you know, over the course of his rookie contract, I wonder if at some point they like, whether it's, you know, I mean, the thing is, like you said, they have a Kongwu Capella, and then Collins can do it too. They just don't really need him to do it, but yep, I think he could be really good at it. Like I don't know, it's it's weird. Oh yeah, I mean, the, the potential of it's really intriguing, particularly if he can play defense at the five. That's a that's a that's a tall it's a tall order, but he has the physical tools for it, no question. Like he's yeah. uh, at the very least, I think like a March a March second unit 
where you have Reddish, Johnson, and a Kongu on defense, that could be crazy. Yeah. I mean, there are uh, lots of unlockable lineups if you figure, like, especially like two years from now, Joe Johnson. Like, as a rookie, he'll have some limitations like all rookies do. But, yeah, you start you start dreaming about lineups with, like, <laughs> with uh, you throw Hunter out there with, with Johnson and you start getting a little bit uh, – flexible small but also athletic and physical and that's kind of what you want in the playoffs in particular so um all right that's enough on Jalen for now we'll probably come back to him at some point during the Gallinari discussion before we get to Gallinari a word from our sponsors on today's podcast tell me if this sounds familiar to you you've got one device that lets you catch the game live another that lets you stream your favorite tv shows you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for all of the good stuff well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before so you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Zach. Uh, let's dive into Gallo a little bit here. We can bounce around, but I want to make sure we talk about him a decent amount. Uh, we got in, you sort of mentioned earlier, but he, he just turned 33 years old. He was in the 2008 draft. That's a long time ago. This is going to be his 14th season. He didn't miss a year with an ACL injury, um, so I'm counting that year. But regardless, he's been playing for a long time, and as a result of that, he is playing less. Last year was the fewest minutes and field goal attempts that he's had since his rookie season. So obviously a smaller role. Despite the big contract he got, he was clearly in a diminished role last year with the Hawks. He had the injury early on in the year um, and also kind of had a tail two seasons. Like he was got up to kind of a slow start, might have been a little bit out of shape even, and then kind of rounded into form, particularly uh, seemed to excel when Nate took over when they started playing the slower pace. He is very much geared to that as a uh, an old head who does not like to run a lot. Not a great athlete at this point in time for Gallinari. But uh, obviously the strengths are his shooting. Um, his offensive game overall is pretty devastating still at this point in time. And uh, as the season went along, he just uh, shot the ball incredibly well. And when he's on, he's on. And he's tough to guard. And, uh, you know, he's making a lot of money. That, that also matters, too. Uh, there is – he's probably the – the only guy on the entire team, um, non-Lou Williams, Solomon Hill, like small role division, those guys are on one-year small contracts, um, who actually has some potential age regression. Like, Gallo was good last year at the end of the year, but anytime you're 33 and in year 15, year 14, you know, there's a chance he slips um, just because of age. Um, but other than that, like, he's still a good player. I think he's still a top 100 guy in the league if you go by the numbers and the way that he impacts the game. But... Um, also, just the role wasn't as big as people thought it might be. You know, he didn't play really any small forward last year until the playoffs. Um, so he's kind of a backup four for the most part. Somewhat of a – he played some five. He played a little bit of three in the playoffs out, out of desperation. But when we're talking about Jalen Johnson, the reason why it's not like a direct like he's a backup four is because Gallinari is making $20 million to be a backup four, basically. So um, I said a lot there. But um, there's a lot, a lot of ways to talk about Gallo because, like I said, it was – a lot of like weird splits last year, but in general, the team was pretty good when he played, and offensively, he's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's really weird looking back. Like, I mean, I get why they brought him in. Like, he's just you know, any team would love to have him, and they had cap space, and he helped a lot. But 
knowing how they use him now, it isn't kind of crazy that they gave him, I guess, what was it, 45 million guaranteed? Um, yeah, something like that. I mean, it was three year deal, about, about 20 a year, and then five in the third year. So, yeah, it's about 45 million guaranteed. And that was the reason. I mean, I'm guilty of this too. When they gave him the deal, I was afraid they were going to play him at the three a lot because of the investment. And I'm glad to be wrong about that because they didn't really do that at all. But also, it's kind of funny to see them assign $20 million a year for the first two seasons to a guy who played 24 minutes a game. Like, you don't usually see that in year one of a big deal. And it worked out pretty well, obviously, for the team. But also, he was good in the second half of the season. But taking, like, three steps back, it's like, Kind of weird to give a guy $20 million a year out of the gate and have him play as little as Gallo ended up playing last year. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, I don't know if it's bad, a bad thing. I, mean, I think it's a good thing. the way It's just the way a young team could be set up. I guess it's kind of like when um, – They had the I'm money. Not, yeah. <laughs> they had the money they yeah, spent. Yeah, yeah. I'm not comparing it to, like, the Hawks to the Warriors, but it's like when Curry was the best player on the Warriors, but, like, he was making, like, the third or fourth most money. Well, they, they, they just knew, and this is a whole soccer that we won't do, but they just knew that this was going to be their last time to have gas space, and they just spent it on two guys. I mean, they spent it all on, on Bogey and Gallo, and obviously Bogey's really good too. Um, and Gallo was kind of a luxury signing, but, you know, in the playoffs it took some injuries, but he, he played even even more, a, probably a bigger role. And, yeah, he has weaknesses. Like, defensively, we won't focus on it a lot, but he, he's pretty bad. Um, he is physical, and he is huge. I mean – that's another thing about Gallo that's underrated is that he's a legitimate 6'10", 6'11", and like 250. Like he's a huge individual. He's just very slow and um, is limited. But still, I mean, if you're talking about just, this is going to sound funny, backup power forwards in the NBA, which is the role that he's actually in, he's probably the best in the entire league. Like for the role that he's actually in, he's very overqualified for. He probably should be starting for someone at the four. And the Hawks just happen to have John Collins, who is better than him and younger than him and all that stuff. But Gallinari is a starting caliber player in the league right now. He just happens to not start. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think whenever he signed, people really didn't know who would start. Obviously, they knew Collins would start, but they were wondering if Gallo was somehow going to start too. And then he pretty, I think it was his introductory presser, didn't he kind of just come out and say, like, I'm I'm the backup for or something like that I mean, he yeah said there, he was, there, there was lots of speculation he, and then he, he kind of said travis told him that he wasn't gonna start and it was like all right well that, that answers that because yeah yeah so it's the role is interesting i mean he played a little bit of five too if you look at his uh his play-by-play um i'm looking at the exact numbers that yeah it was they gave him about two-thirds as minutes at the four and about a third at the five last year according to basketball reference um i'm not sure if that's actually true honestly he did play a little bit of five but really defensively He's just limited, and although he did he did a good job, I thought in the playoffs relative to what he normally is, because he's if there's anything that he does better than other things defensively is that he just uses his body well. Like he guards in the post pretty well. He's pretty physical. Um, he like he had like, he had him bead for a while in that series and like did an incredible job. Like n- nothing great, but he was just in the way. Um, I'm gonna throw some numbers at you though, shooting wise, because he's still hyper efficient. So um, last year. He was 61% true shooting in the regular season, which is obviously fantastic. He's hit 40% from three in three straight seasons. Um, he was third in the NBA last year at free throw percentage at almost 93%. He's a career 88% free throw shooter and almost 91% the last five seasons, which is just ridiculous. And he actually had a slow start last year. He kind of got hurt. He was, like I said, I think he's probably a little bit out of shape early on. 
But once he got settled in, he was 44-42-91 splits the last 38 games he played the regular season. And he was even better than that, like, in a broader sample. Um, I mentioned this. Uh, I mentioned the pace. This is something I tweeted today, but I wonder what you th- what your reaction to this was. Uh, there's a little bit of a caveat here because a lot of players have better numbers and wins than losses. But if you wanted to get carried away and just say, like, how important Gallinari is as, like, so- sort of a swing piece for this team, you can cite this stat. Um, he played 51 games last year. The Hawks went 29 and 22 when he played, which is which is good, obviously. Um, he shot 50% from the floor and 48% from three in the wins. He shot 34% from the floor and 29% from three in the losses. So there's a little bit of noise there, I'm sure. But, you know, that kind of tells you, like, when Gallinari is on, they were really hard to beat last year. And when he was off, they struggled. And it's not just him. And he's still, like, their seventh most important player. But that's a pretty wild split. And I kind of feel like it was backed up by my by my eyes. I mean, obviously this is all anecdotal, but it's uh what he's actually able to do is kind of a pivot point for them because once he got going late in the season, he really kind of I think him and Bogdanovich in particular, those guys getting hot versus where they were early in the season really were kind of underrated and unlocking what made the Hawks a lot better in the second half of the season. Obviously, Trey is the best player and Collins is really good too, but Capella was awesome all season long. But the two guys who really like kind of changed the most, like, efficiency-wise and stuff from the first half and second half were Bogey and Gallo. And that's not, like, a coincidence. It's just what happened. Yeah, I think last season it was so – it was like the uh, splits were like that because when the Hawks had Rondo, they pretty much needed Gallo, like, so much to have anything with the second unit. And I think this season – It did not work. (laughs) Yeah, I think this season when you have Lou Williams, you have now Herter. You know, Herter was in and out of the starting lineup last year, especially the first half of the season. So I think he'll be less crucial. Like he can have an off night and they can just be like, all right, we'll just go to someone else. Like if everyone is active. Yeah, I think that's right. And also we talked about it a ton, but the the injuries last year made it to where they just weren't as deep and they're playing guys they didn't need to be playing. The Rondo stuff never worked. But if you look at the splits and I won't go through all the numbers, but Gallo's numbers when he's playing with the starters or like multiple starters were awesome last year. And when he was asked to carry the bench, particularly with Rondo and with a Kongwu, like his worst two-man unit of all of his like prominent units was a Kongwu. Like when when the bench was on the floor together, it wasn't great. And we kind of knew that, particularly early in the year, but the numbers were pretty bad and he was on the floor for some of that stuff. But when, when you pair him with Capella, the numbers were awesome. When you pair him with Trey, the numbers were awesome. So, you know, he's, yeah. compliment, he's a complimentary piece. Do you, have, do you have him and Lou? Do you have any numbers on them? I had it in front of me earlier and I closed it, but I'll, I'll pull up as we're talking. But it was definitely, it was better than it was with Rondo. That's what I was um, thinking. But it was, was also like a good. pretty small, it was also pretty, I mean, Lou came in so late that the sample was like not very big. But well, be, I mean, I don't know if, it, if there's any way you could filter it to include the playoffs too. But I'm looking as we speak. But yeah, I mean, to, to the whole thing there with Gallo. Oh, also his best three-man unit was uh, unsurprisingly with Capella and Young. But they were plus 12 with those three guys on the floor last year in the regular season, yeah. which is obviously uh, quite good. Um, they're probably, I think they're around that or maybe even a little better with Collins instead of Gallo. So it's like, yeah, I mean, Lou and Gallinari were negative in the playoffs. They were minus three in the playoffs per 100 possessions, yeah, but which that's is not okay. bad. It's, it's, yeah. that's, that's not too bad for a, for, a play, uh, for a playoff bench unit. Like, you could be in worse shape than that. Um, 
I have to scroll way down because of uh, Lou just getting there late. Yeah, they were about net neutral. They were actually almost exactly net neutral. They were minus zero point one in the regular season. If you, I'm not saying they could do this for a whole season, but if if the bench is that, if the bench is neutral, I think the Hawks will be pretty good. Um, oh yeah, I mean if they're if they're able, they're able to, for the first time in Trey Young's tenure, not be bad when he leaves the floor, that is huge because they're going to be good when he plays. That's like kind of as we talked about on our last podcast. Trey kind of just drives an offense that's so good that it's going to be good. Um, and Gallo helps. With the, I mean, he helps with the backups, no question about it. I think he's a good fit with Lou. I think him and DeLon Wright will be interesting together. But, um, you know, last year he played 24 minutes a game for the season, and that's with some time when he had to play more. Um, but I think that's probably like a realistic baseline for him to do again, like something in the low 20s in terms of minutes. And, you know, 538 last year had him as worth, quote-unquote, about $8 million dollars which is obviously a lot less than they're paying him, but given the context before, like they just had the money to spend and they spent it on a guy that, that made them better. I don't think that Gallo's $20 million player with the way the Hawks are using him. I, I will say that, but I don't think it really matters a whole lot. Like I think that he's still pretty good overall. Um, but do you think that's a, you know, a reasonable role projection for Gallo this season, like similar minutes to last season? Because again, like, just to give it to you specifically, he played 24 minutes a game in the regular season, and then in the playoffs, it went um, up to almost 25. So basically, almost the exact same role the entire year, even with all the noise elsewhere. Yeah, I think 25 sounds about right. I mean, he's good, and like Nate is going to play his vets. So if he's healthy and he's ready to go, he's he's going to play. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. All right, before we get to uh, some wrap-up stuff on both Jalen and Gallo, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Basketball is always the centerpiece of this podcast, but it's that time of the year again, and all eyes return to football as teams across the country are getting back on the gridiron to start the 2021 season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the professional and college football action this season. You can get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest open now at BetOnline.ag. Head to the website immediately or use your mobile device sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus with the site. Be sure to take full advantage of the opening day Super Promo. If you make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys, if you lose, your wage will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when you sign up and use the promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. In addition to football and basketball, they have baseball and golf, tennis, MMA, boxing, auto racing, everything that you're looking for, you can find it all in one place at betonline.ag. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. With Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone, and honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. 
They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calorie range is 130 to 180. They only have four or five grams of sugar, and they only have four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board. They're all tasty, and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grass popper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, you're 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. All right, Zach, a uh, couple of questions before we get out of here. Um, this is more of a future facing one, but I feel like it's good. Uh, it's sort of appropriate because of Gallo. Um, there's that looming, you know, non-guarantee on the third year. And I also was talking with somebody offline the other day that asked me just kind of out of the blue, if I thought Gallinari might get traded during the season. And I was thinking, you know, that's not crazy. Um, there was that report. Um, I think it was from Dane Moore front of the podcast about Minnesota calling on Gallinari. I had heard that too, that he is, but he was at least someone they were that got some calls from the Hawks, not like actively shopped. I heard Cam and a lot more rumors than Gallo, but like if you do the math, like you could think that Gallo was maybe expendable ish this year. I'm not saying that they wouldn't be worse without him because they would be, but when you draft Jalen Johnson and you have these four wings, um, at least one of which with Hunter could play the four a little bit. You have, you know, some depth. You have even Solomon Hill back to plug some gaps. Um, and then you, you know, sign TLC and all that stuff. Uh, would it shock you if Gallo didn't finish the season on the team, number one? And number two, is he on the team the following season? Um, I would say, yeah, it would shock me if he's traded during the season. Uh, you have a max contract starting point guard who doesn't want you to trade off his weapons. So, yeah, I don't – unless there's something – the way they can use him to get something better, like – I don't, I don't think they're just going to trade him for, you know, whatever. He seemed to be a good fit, so I, I don't think he'll be traded. And then I, I don't know that next season. So if they if they accept the, if they accept the option, it's twenty million again, right? Yeah, it's they save about fifteen million, fifteen million. And honestly, I'll let you answer too. I, I think that I will be surprised if he's on the team the following season uh this year we agree i, I mean I, I think i'd be less surprised than you just because he does make a lot of money and he's pretty tradable and if for whatever reason like you know joe johnson oh. looks, looks great or gallo looks washed they could move on from him pretty easily but I, I do think that the following year because of tax reasons because of role reasons having Jalen johnson um i think he probably won't be on the team but not, nothing gary i'm not like overly confident if, but i'm just saying if you, if you made me guess I think it, there's a few things that obviously depends on. I think obviously if how well he plays. Oh yeah. If he's play if he's playing horrible and he's out of the rotation, then obviously you know. If he's the guy be, from early, if he's the guy from early last season when he looked like worse than the league defensive level and also wasn't shooting like at his normal baseline, like the guy from the first two months of last year, they don't pick up the option. I mean, or sorry, they, they don't keep him around. They definitely release him. But if it's the guy from the second half of last year, uh, he's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's just say he is a, just a moderate expectation for, I mean, you know who Gallo is, who he's been his whole career. So he's more likely to be shooting pretty well than not shooting pretty well. You would think. Yes. So I'm going to say he's, even if there is a little bit, I would decline. I'm going to think he's, if he's healthy, he's going to be nearly the same player, hopefully. So 
I, I don't know. I, the, the third year thing is really tough. I think if they make it like back to the East finals and he's like a big part of it, there'll be pressure to just pay the tax for one year. Yeah. Um, but if they lose in, you know, first or second round and he's playing 12 minutes a night, then that's obviously completely different. So, Oh yeah. And this is, a, this is a big year. I mean, I, I sort of mentioned earlier, but he's the, he's the, he's the one guy of their like highly paid or highly uh, invested players. If you combine the young guys with the older um, expensive veterans, that he's the one guy who's in his age range. I mean, Capella is in his upper twenties. So is Bogey, but those guys are still, you know, four or five years younger than Gallinari is like he, he is in line for potentially some drop off, but at the same time, he's not a player that relies on burst at all. Like he, his calling card is, is being 6'10 and being able to shoot over you like you're not like you're not even there. And that doesn't really go away. Like I think his shooting is uh, gonna stick around. So I don't think he's gonna be much worse. I mean, I know 538 projected him. I'm looking this up now. Yeah, about 11 and a half million dollars in value this next coming season. Obviously that's below what he's making. But if he's an 11 and 12 million dollar player this year for the Hawks, that's totally fine like for what the role that he's actually in i know the money's the money's spent basically they're already over the cap who cares at this point and you know everyone knows that i I do care about that stuff but for right now practically speaking it doesn't matter what he's making um for this season anyway if he's just yeah go ahead those projections also don't factor like seniority well, they're factoring well, in a role like, too. Like it, they're they're probably factoring in his limited minutes. But like in the NBA, and in, in a lot of sports, you get paid based off what you did before. Like yeah. he 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 earned that contract because he can play as a starter. So yeah, he might only provide twelve million, but if someone has a season-ending injury, he can potentially provide a lot more than that as to where like most $12 million players can just only provide 12 million. You know what I mean? Oh, that's, that's very well said. I mean, knock on wood. Like if, if you lost John Collins for half a season, a lot of teams would be like panicking and the Hawks, it would definitely hurt the Hawks. Don't get me wrong, but the Hawks would have the most qualified backup power forward to step in, in the league. Like Gallinari could start for you for half a season and you, you know, you'd be fine. So having that, it's definitely a luxury, um, but he is good. I mean, I'm not kidding around when I say he's a top hundred player in the league. I, I do, I, I do believe that. And to have a guy that's a top, even if you say top 125 or whatever, I mean, I know he was like on Seth Partnow's tiers list is like, you know, low tier five, which is like in the hundred ish range. But regardless, if that guy's coming, coming off your bench, you are in fantastic shape. And, Practically speaking, like Gallinari should be very, very helpful this year. I mean, the splits are what they are. He was much better late in the year. But I do think of all the players, just straight straight system-wise, scheme-wise, I think he might have been the most helped by Nate McMillan because he doesn't run. Like, Gallo can't run, and they played so slow under, under Nate that, yeah, it pro- I mean, obviously it helped Bogdanovich, too. He was suddenly firing away and more aggressive. But Gallinari playing at a slow pace really, really, really helps him. Um, because he just he's not he got he's not a guy who can go in the end anymore. Um, he's limited. Everybody knows that. We can kind of laugh about it at times, but it really is true. Like you put him in a half court situation, he's devastating. But you ask him. I have him. a perfect, literally, I want to say it's almost perfect comparison as when Denver had to decide on Paul Millsap. It's like the same thing. It's like 
You don't well, really. I, I, you don't I, have after, to. after the first deal, you mean like the second time they signed him? Like whenever they had the thirty million dollar option. Oh yeah, the whatever. last time. Yeah, the last time. Yep. Yeah. It's like no, he's not going to be worth thirty million dollars for us, but. Can't replace else? him, and yeah, yeah. Who else are we gonna get? Well, that's the thing about Gallo. Honestly, for, even for the for that for that third year, they won't be able to replace him in terms of that salary. Oh, I, I Hawks think are, Hawks are gonna be over the cap forever now. Just so I knows. think because Denver's going into the tax now. If if they kind of set a precedent for mid market teams going into the tax, I mean, I'm not saying the Hawks would definitely. Oh, they're going in. They're going in. I, I'm no, I'm pretty. I confident mean, but as far in. as like. <laughs> The repeater tax and at some point, keep, yeah, keeping Collins and Gallo for the third season, like I and Bogey like, and Herder if they yeah. keep him and Capella on extension. But and Trey. I just think if they if they have a competitive second round series, there's just so much pressure to do it, and it's like, I mean, if you own a basketball team, then people don't want to hear about like that you don't want to spend money. So like, I don't know. Like I, I'm not saying obviously like. A lot of franchises skirt under the luxury tax and, and just do what they can on the court. But like, I don't know. Like, we'll just we'll just see how if they're able to get to the East Finals every year or not. If they are, then they're going to probably spend a lot more money. Oh yeah, and they should. I mean, no one, no one, no Hawks fan should be concerned with Tony Russell's wallet. I mean, it, it's a practical consideration if they care because and they probably do. But in terms of like spending, Hawks fans should want them to spend money, and Gallinari helps them. I mean. The one thing that we could talk about a little bit, but I want to be clear on, is that I, I think, um, at least if I was making a decision, I, I would pretty actively load manage Gallinari this year over 82 games. Um, I would give him a lot of nights off on back-to-backs. I'm not saying you have to never play on a back-to-back, but um, last year he played, he played 51 games. Part of that was injury-related. He's not played as many as 70 games since 2013. He's only played 70-plus games twice in his career. So Gallinari has been a guy who has had some injury stuff. Um, he missed a full season. He missed about another half season later on. So early, before that, he missed uh, 60 games in 2018. Like, he's not always been out. But I would be very, very careful with Gallinari in terms of load management, particularly if they have other healthy guys. Like, if everybody else or close to everybody else is healthy, like, I would be actively I taking think, care of him. And, like, I'm – Obviously not like a sports medicine person or anything, but I think it would make sense if the plan going in was like a 55 to 60 game plan. And then any problems he has just takes off that. I would not be opposed. I mean, I I would not argue with them not playing a back-to-back all season long with Gallinari. I'm not saying that's going to happen. Point? But yeah, what's the point, really? I mean, I know he did it last year. It's not like he can't do it. He's not like in a situation like, like Kawhi was where they're just never going to do it. But – when you have this kind of depth, when you have Jalen Johnson coming in, when you have Hunter to play the four, when you have even Solomon Hill, who's like an NBA player, um, as your third or fourth. Do you remember? Do you remember how many back to backs they have? Isn't it like fourteen or something? Um, I have it written I mean, down. It's like thirteen, fourteen, something like that. You can already count like seventy games. Is probably the most he's going to play. Then even if oh, he I would game. be like utterly shocked if he played more than seventy games. Like yeah. utterly shocked. Well, what would you put? Over under, I would say like fifty-seven. I mean, his. <laughs> I'm trying to do the math in my head. He's in. Let's see. Since his then, yeah, it's it's definitely his career average is under that. It's like in the fifties. Even if you take out the season where he missed the whole year, it's on. It's probably in the fifties somewhere. And you know, that's like, yeah, fifty-five. 
maybe 60 would be the over-under. I mean, he did play 51 last year in a shortened season, so they didn't. Honestly, I was kind of surprised that they didn't manage him more last year. Um, You can correct me if I'm wrong. Is I think you um, – let me – oh, I think I had it pulled up. But didn't he play in that shortened season? Didn't he play like 68 out of 76 games or something? Like, wasn't that one – He played 62 with the Thunder in the shortened season, which was so a lot. A, yeah, that's a lot. So, really, I mean, the last two seasons, he's kind of played like more than the three or four years before that. Yeah, well, I mean, he missed he missed a bunch of time early in the year last year for the Hawks. I know it's a long time ago now, but um, he played. And then 68 in 18-19. So he's actually been fairly durable for three years now. I mean, Yeah, I mean, he, he played 49 of the final 57 games for the Hawks last year. So, like, once he got, once he got back from the injury early in the year, he pretty much played every night. I mean, he had a couple of back-to-backs that he sat one, um, sat one of those in April. But he played a bunch of back-to-backs last year. Like it wasn't like they didn't just they didn't just send him away. I would be more, both personally and I expect it to happen. I think they will manage him a little bit more over 82 games, especially if the roster is not just depleted. I think last year they probably played him more than they maybe needed to um, because they just didn't have anybody else. Like once you didn't have Hunter, um, that was one of your you know four options that was out. And you know that you didn't have you know Solomon Hills playing the three every night that kind of stuff. Um, if they have some reasonable health, they can, it's easier to give them nights off. Yeah, I know. I mean, he definitely played a lot last year because they needed him for sure. And yeah, it, and it worked out. I mean, again, I think our overarching takeaway here is that you know Gallinari is a good player. He's overqualified for his role, and that's a great thing to have for the Hawks. And he's also you know he's kind of a one of a kind. Both of them in the league, but particularly for this roster, you look at the, what, he, what he does. He's the only "quote unquote" big on the team that plays the way he does. Like Collins can shoot, no question about it. But Collins, um, you know, does everything. Um, but Capella, Kongwu are not floor spacers. Gallinari unlocks lineups that they have too. That he's kind of the only one that can do certain things. Um, so it's interesting um and we've seen him also just like win them games or win them halves i mean obviously the famous one was where he hit he hit like every three imaginable for like a half was it eight threes and a half or seven threes and a half i can't remember what it was i think he made seven in a row wasn't it boston at home i mean he, he had 10 threes in that game i can't remember how many yeah. how many hit in the half but he, he, he definitely i think he i think it was yeah it was 10 for 12 in that boston game i was i was there and it was a uh, Rockets. He had 38 points. That's not sustainable. But he will do that kind of stuff. Maybe not, maybe not 10, but he'll he'll go out and hit you four threes and a half and like yeah, win you a half. I think that game. I like. I watched the first quarter and like I had to go like get something from the store real quick and come back home. And I don't, maybe maybe I'm remembering it wrong. Maybe it was like the second to third quarter. But I left my house and he had like two threes and I came back and he had like nine. And I was like, what the? <laughs> no, it was. I was like, barrage. what just happened? I was absolute, like, oh my god. An absolute barrage. That was a lot of fun actually. But I mean, he, the playoff numbers were pretty good. I mean, he, he couple of stinkers. I mean, he had a one point game against the Knicks, but um, he scored. You know, he he was good against Milwaukee. Like he was very valuable in that series. Philly was okay. Um, yeah. I like Gallo. I think he's probably underrated, especially by Hawks fans, because, you know, he is limited for sure, and the defensive stuff will drive you crazy. But uh, I think the offensive value he brings is uh, substantial, and if he can just kind of replicate most of last year, um, super valuable, man. I mean, we'll see what the, what the role looks like, but he's going to play every I think night. They did, get, they did get lucky on the matchups, I think. Um, 
I think oh, yeah. Brooke, healthy Brooklyn. Or Brooklyn's going to be bad for him. <laughs> or Miami. Miami just was bolster, like how much he would go at him and just how freaking athletic they are. Like, Yeah, I, I can't honestly, I, I have a hard time even talking about him playing against Brooklyn. That's going to be rough if it happens. But, you know, that, that's a that's a it's a rich man's problem. Yeah. Say. But I mean, on the other side, if you play the, the Bucks or the Sixers on the positive side, he's very valuable in, in, in that in the half court. He's like, that's a good series for him. It sounds crazy. Like, oh, he's bad on defense and you want him to play against Giannis and Embiid. Well, he can stand there and be big. I mean, he's yep. not the, the transition against Milwaukee is the, is a problem. But I mean, as far as if you can get that limited with your other guys, he can he can bang. So. I totally agree. So that yes. it'll, be, it'll be interesting. I mean, and that's the going back full circle to the Jalen Johnson thing at the very beginning. They have they have matchup stuff to do. Um, Gallinari is um, a better player right now today than guys like Reddish and guys like Johnson. But if you get down, if Gal takes a step back, or if you get in a situation against Brooklyn where you just need athleticism and guys who can play in space, maybe mix and match a little bit more. And it's it's all about matchups at that point in time. But Gallo is still like. A valuable player on this team. I, I think he's been discussed pretty little um, for obvious reasons. I mean, I, that's why I tweeted about him a little bit today before we start recording. But I think he's kind of been under discussed, and with good reason. I mean, last year he was the big splash signing along with uh, along with Bogdanovich, but it's been like you know a year and nothing's really happened with Gallo. So it's like he's not a top of conversation, but he's still uh, plugging along as a huge weapon. So yeah, no, I think um, you know. We covered it pretty similar to last season. I would expect. I don't really. I don't really see him. I mean, how's he going to get like slower? Honestly, uh, like, no. I mean, athletically, I can't imagine him taking. I feel like he's just going to be the same. I mean, he's just. You're fading an injury. I mean, you're fading an injury. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he's going to suddenly shoot terribly either because of just the way that he is. Uh, he's been a great shooter for a very, very long time. So, yeah, I think you're just kind of fading injury, and you're kind of. Um, you know, he was a little bit out of shape, I think, last year, early in the year, and the numbers reflected that. So maybe that's a hiccup, too. But that was also the weird, you know, pandemic offseason and all that stuff, too. So I can't really blame them too much for that. Um, yeah, I think I expect similar to last year on the whole, which means, you know, elite efficiency, uh, pretty bad defense, but not, like, completely disastrous, and uh, one of the best bench guys in the entire league. You would hope for that because, I mean, obviously he's making – I don't know. Is anyone else in the NBA on the bench make $20 million? Uh, Not guys who were signed to be on the like bench. Like Kevin Love or somebody maybe? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there are players that are like may not start this year that are making that much money. But um, that's why we were talking about earlier. Like the craziest thing is that he came off the bench like the moment he signed a $20 million a year contract. That's, what, that, that's what's not normal. Normally a guy gets a deal like that, maybe fades, maybe gets injured – they sign over him, but like he was signed. Nah, normally, normally you just take the minimum and sign with the Nets or the Lakers. Well, that's what happens this season. So uh, I did tweet. I was trying to think. Magic. I was like, every other twelve million dollar power forward signed for the minimum. So. Well, if Gallo got bought out today, uh, he would sign with the Nets. I'm pretty sure because they have unlimited roster spots. We learned that this season. Um, all right, Zach. Well, that's enough on these two gentlemen. We'll have much, much more on the rest of the roster. And again, I encourage people to go back and listen to the other shows: Trey Young, Skylar Mays. Onyeka Kongwu, Clint Capella, Cam Reddish, Lou Williams, uh, Kevin Herter, DeLon Wright, etc. Uh, anything you got going that you want to plug on Peachtree Hoops or elsewhere? Uh, we actually had the Jalen Johnson preview go up today. Wes Morton, or, baby. I guess yesterday, I guess. Now you're going to hear this on Wednesday. Uh, yeah, from Wes. And then 
should be getting Gallo in the near future from Andrew Kelly. So you'll have some written content to kind of go um, with our season preview series. But yeah, just, you know, of course, check out Peace Street Hoops and uh, shouts to Brad for having me on again. Thank you for doing all of this, sir. We have a few more of these to knock out in the uh, next week and a half, two weeks, and uh, I'm sure we'll have we'll, we'll have time to make that happen. But uh, subscribe to this podcast. Please follow Peachtree Hoops. Read all the stuff written over there by Zach and everybody else, Wes, Andrew, Glenn, uh, Graham, everybody that's there. Uh, great job, as always, there. And, uh, again, subscribe, tell a friend. We'll see you next time.